Happy Friday, my friends, and welcome to the Tim Messer Show. I hope it was a good week for everyone. I hope everyone enjoyed their 4th of July celebrations. Uh, let's take a look at the week that was. People who live behind us, I'm not sure exactly which house, they like to celebrate 4th of July for about a month. They start in mid-June, and they're still setting a few off every every night, which really pisses my neighbor's dogs off. And they already don't need prompting to bark incessantly, but just God, one crack will set them off for just several minutes. So, as expected, the goats both won Nathan's famous hot dog eating contest. Not animal goats, but greatest of all time. Mickey Sudo, the Serena Williams of competitive eating, ate 39 and a half hot dogs to win her ninth title. Joey Chestnut, the Babe Ruth of rapid Frankfurter consumption, won his eighth straight championship with 62, taking home his 16th mustard belt overall. The nearest competitor, Jeffrey Esper, came in with 49. This came after a lengthy weather delay, so it was a roller coaster of emotion. So Chestnut said, they told us it was canceled. We weren't sure we were going to eat today. I'm just happy. It's the 4th of July. I got to eat some hot dogs and get a win. I feel great, he added. I've got leftover room, so I'll be having some beers later. This dude took in 18,000 calories in 10 minutes, and he has room left over for beers. Legend. The jaws of a Rottweiler. A stomach made of cast iron and the heart of a champion. I know it seems I'm gushing over this guy, so I'll hit you with some reality. Since he set the record of 76, he's eaten 63 and now 62, so there has been quite a drop-off. Could it be that he's past his prime? He turns 40 in November, and as we've seen with even the best athletes of all time, father time is undefeated. It would take all day to discuss the pro athletes who stayed around too long and whose performance dwindled, but let's take a look at just a few of the athletes who continue to do well in their 40s. I think the first one that comes to mind is Tom Brady, of course. He played until he was 45, and he did so at a really high level. Now, he didn't exactly have a cannon, but he never really did. He was slower than a flying molasses, but he kind of always was. And, you know, you can't lose speed if you never had it. Tiger Woods won the Masters in his 40s. You know, he was struggling with back and knee issues that continued to hamper him, but, but the car accident that almost cost him his leg puts him at really long odds these days, but I'm always rooting for Tiger. Brett Favre, he's the only QB other than Brady to win a playoff game after 40. And how about Bartolo Colon, the pitcher? You would think someone who is pretty overweight at 5'11", 285 would have broken down. But after 40, he was a starting pitcher on a Mets team that made the World Series in 2015. He had his first home run at almost 43 and made the 2016 All-Star team at the age of 43. A few others, Gordy Howe, he played in the NHL until he was 52. Nolan Ryan and Randy Johnson, baseball's all-time strikeout leaders, both played pretty well until they were 46. Jamie Moyer, never a power pitcher, played until he was 49. 
Ichiro was still effective at 43. Vince Carter played in the NBA into his 40s, and though he wasn't the same athlete who impressed fans with his high-flying dunks, he was still able to contribute even if in shorter spurts. Okay, maybe Carter isn't the best example. Yeah, he became the first NBA player to play in four different decades, but he, he probably did hang around too long. Yarmir Yager, he led the Florida Panthers in scoring at 44. And let's not forget about Satchel Paige. He didn't even get a chance to pitch in the majors until he was 42. He had already carved out a legendary 18-year career in the Negro Leagues. He was solid for six more seasons in the bigs. He actually played his last game at age 59. He spent 40 seasons playing professional baseball. So I think if Joey keeps training and stays in eating shape, he has a few more good years ahead of him. I'd like to see him go out on top. I hate to see the great ones hang around too long and tarnish their legacy. So who dropped their bag of nose candy in the West Wing of the White House? Supposedly, the investigation, which includes scrutiny of camera footage and visitor logs, will conclude on Monday. I think the public would like to know, but transparency has been in short supply from this White House, so I wouldn't hold my breath. A few gambling websites have posted odds of who the booger sugar belonged to. BetOnline.ag has Hunter Biden as the overwhelming favorite at plus 170. As you may know, betting the favorite may be safe, but rarely results in a big payoff, so you have to find an underdog with a realistic chance of pulling off the upset. Kansas City Chiefs tight end Travis Kelsey comes in at plus 800. Uh, a Jonas brother, I guess any Jonas brother, carries plus 1,000 odds. Angelina Jolie is at plus 1,400. While the president himself is a huge long shot at plus 15,000. The first lady's odds are at 10,000. So if you put 100 bucks on Joe and it was determined it somehow came from him, that he somehow was in possession of this, you'd be a millionaire. Obviously, the 80-year-old president is not carrying around bags of cocaine. In fact, I'm sure they already know who it came from. And depending on who it is, the American public may never know. So yesterday was a bad day in my town. We live in a fairly small town, and the, the last count had Hanford at over 58,000. So it isn't small, but it isn't big either. I was raised in a very small town which at the time had 4,500 people, so I considered that small. Hanford has three high schools and more restaurants than we probably need, but there is a bit of a small town feel. That being said, there are also some bigger city problems that plague us. Homelessness, crime, shootings, and stabbings happen from time to time. And Thursday was one of those days. My daughter and I were headed to our favorite coffee spot, 111 downtown. But what we saw there was chaos, police, fire, ambulance. It was obvious something bad had happened. So imagine you're enjoying the day, browsing in a jewelry store, and a truck plows through the front entrance. Then the driver fires a series of shots at people inside the store before shooting and killing himself. That's what happened yesterday, according to a press release from Hanford PD. In close proximity to the shop we were headed to, I'm sure the people in the surrounding shops were terrified as well. We're fortunate we left home later than we had planned. I'm so glad my soon-to-be 15-year-old daughter didn't have to go through this experience. 
but it brought to mind an experience I had on October 1st, 2017. Me and some buddies were on our annual Vegas trip, and as we usually do, we wrapped it up with a late dinner on Sunday night. We were eating at Public House. Public House is in the, in the Luxor, which is next to Mandalay Bay. We were eating there when a stream of people came running into the restaurant. It took my brain a minute to process what was happening and it seemed like they were laughing so i thought this must be one of those flash mobs or maybe some other vegas shenanigans but that was until i realized they weren't laughing they were hysterical and that's when somebody yelled active shooter so i'm sure you know how this ends next door at mandalay bay a man was spraying bullets from the 32nd floor into a crowd of people at the route 91 harvest music festival which was happening across the street 60 people died, 413 people were wounded. The panic that ensued brought the total number of injured to about 867. So not knowing what was going on, we were ushered into the basement by security personnel. There's a whole basement floor down there. It's got a huge cafeteria, smaller break room, security offices, uh, whatever else is down there. We started in a small security a classroom. But as people continued to filter in off the street, it became too crowded, it was hot, and some people not yet sobered up, they started acting up uh, before, you know, cooler heads prevailed. Some of the people had injuries and horrific stories to tell. We were then moved into the cafeteria, which was considerably cooler, uh, more spacious, more comfortable. As we watched the news on various televisions, the rumors were running rampant terrorists going to multiple casinos shooting people the entire strip was locked down so i texted my wife my kids well my future wife that i loved her and uh, loved them that i was okay that my phone was almost dead and i would contact them whenever i could i was still mentally preparing myself for anything because we just didn't know and yes i was doing a lot of praying choosing to stay in an adjacent break room out of the crowd of people i heard stories from one girl who saw someone right next to her shot in the head another teenage girl had badly sprained her ankle running out of the chaos one man had blood on his shirt and it wasn't his we continued to be glued to the tv hoping for more concrete details and soon news updates became more frequent and the number of fatalities continued to rise and in an act of kindness that I still appreciate to this day, the Luxor Hotel made sure we had blankets, freshly baked pizzas, cookies, bottled waters, coffee. I attempted to close my eyes after a while once the adrenaline had worn off, but there's no way I could sleep. And at one point we were told we could leave. So we went up an elevator and hit the casino floor, anxious to make our way back to our, our casino where we were staying. It was eerily silent and empty. And then we were informed we needed to go back downstairs, which didn't sit well with some people who were a little bit cranky by then. Finally, after about six hours on lockdown in the basement, we were released to go back to our hotels. I managed about two hours of restless sleep, replaying that moment of uncertainty in the basement, wondering if the texts and calls I was making would be the last contact with my future wife, my son, my daughter, before it was time to get up and make the five and a half hour drive home. The mood in the casino was very somber that morning. Stopping for breakfast in Prim, the mood was equally 
sat as concert goers with their bracelets still on their wrists looked like they were still in shock. Lives changed that night. People suffered mental trauma that they may still be trying to overcome all these years later. I'm sure if they have mustered up the courage to attend an outdoor concert in a large open venue, they are aware of their surroundings and where the exits are, what areas might look safe to hide behind if necessary. And sadly, we all need to do that anytime we are at a public event in a crowd of people, in a restaurant, in a movie theater, or even in church, or even in a jewelry store. Because each time one of these senseless crimes happens, we lose another piece of our innocence, and we're just a little more cautious when we go out in public. We feel just a little less safe out in the world. So we need to be prepared. We need to be on guard, unfortunately. Never able to be completely relaxed. I hope and pray that the people involved in this tragic incident downtown are able to overcome any trauma they may have experienced yesterday. From the people directly involved to the people in surrounding businesses who may have been ordered to shelter in place, locked inside, uncertain of what may happen. We need to pray for our city, for the homeless, the people with struggles, mental health struggles, marital struggles, anger struggles. Above all, we need to pray against the enemy and the evil that sometimes rears its ugly head, even in our community. Thanks for listening today. Don't forget to hit that follow button. Share with your friends. Have a great weekend. And as always, be kind to each other and God bless.